Hello, hello. Welcome to the Divine Comedy Cafe. This is Dr. David Colbert, and we are finishing off season one with a four-part finale. We're going to be discussing what is exvangelicalism. Looking forward to uh, going through this process with you because this is the a big threat to orthodox historical Christianity. So grab your cup of coffee, sit down in your most favorite spot, and let's talk. Hey, 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 everybody. Um, I'm excited about this, uh, this portion of season one. This is the end of season one. And I'm discussing about what faith deconstruction is. And the episode of, uh, this, of part one of the season one finale is called What is Exvangelicalism? So we're talking about faith deconstruction, but we also need to discuss what is an exvangelical? I'm sure you've seen this hashtag by this point. It's been um, it's been a part of the an interfaith conversation uh, since 2016. Deconstruction was finally uh, made its way to internet culture in a strong way with the hashtag exvangelical. The one who propagates this more than anybody else is a gentleman by the name of Naked Pastor, and uh, he's. He started the uh, the hashtag, as far as I know, um, exvangelical, and so uh, more people uh, have given uh, what that means to them. And basically, um, what what it is to be an exvangelical is one who leaves the uh, the evangelical church. Um, now we're going to get into deeper details, but uh, this idea uh, led. Uh, just a truckload of, of millennials, um, either outside of the faith, they left Christianity completely, which is, they use the term deconstruction, but I would call it demolition because it completely wrecks the faith and the person leaves the, the body of Christ, um, leaves the church. Um, now, there are some lighter versions of the term deconstruction, um, but where people usually go if they leave the um, evangelical church, they will, uh, they will leave uh, either the church, they would attend what would be like a progressive church, uh, which are mainly um, mainline denominations, uh, while leaving the evangelical sect. Um, or they could, um, they could just start to try and deconvert people. In other words, get other people to demolish their faith um, rather than to seek to build up their faith while seeking community who can explain these qualms uh, prayerfully in a a non-hurtful scenario, um, non-personal or or like a simple loving way, but out of fear that they will be judged. Um, they typically keep to themselves, which spawns this deconstruction. It is very individualistic, and we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit as well. Um, so what it means to deconstruct, and this will be continued in episode two uh, on a conversation of deconstruct, deconstruction part two, what got us here. And I'll do a big historical survey of these, uh, these aspects in, in the birth of deconstruction. 
But for today, what I want to do is just establish the groundwork on how deconstruction has uh, left its mark in religion, uh, religion, um, and what how evangelical is the 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 process by which one deconstructs in a religious or Christian uh, context. So, the definition of 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 deconstruction. Deconstruction happens in all time types of like mediums. Uh, the basic definition of deconstruction is uh, rethinking your cultural values and your cultural norms, uh, typically to dismantle yourself from what you would consider the bad way to go about things and to embrace a more open-minded, individualistic, um, you're not going to tell me about the truth value of something. Um, it comes from a uh, philosopher, French philosopher, uh, Jacques Derrida. Um, and he taught, he was kind of a father of postmodernism. Once again, I'll go more in depth with that in episode two. Um, but basically, um, postmodernism is, and once again, I'll go more detailed next, uh, next session. Um, but it is essentially, it's not an institution that tells you anything about truth. Truth is a personal experience. Uh, that your perspective is truth. There is no big T truth, so to speak. So we have little t truth, and that is perspective. Um, so that is kind of postmodernism in a nutshell. You're the authority when it comes to truth, but it's not um, It's not actual truth. It's a truth claim. According to postmodernism, truth claims are not uh, set in reality. They're set in the perspective of the speaker. So there's no way that we can access truth. The only way we can speak about truth is from perspective. Um, so the ultimate authority in truth is not the, an institution. It's not in a book. You are the author of your own truth. You determine what truth is based off you, your experience. So there are a bunch of little t truths, um, but that does not get us to the capital T truth. Um, so that's kind of a basic definition of what deconstruction is. I detach myself from my personal context. Um, any truth claims do not get me to true reality. Um, and so I'm the authority on what is true or not, typically based off of personal experience. Uh, hopefully I don't have to explain too much in this episode about how bad that thinking is and how dangerous that thinking is because it dismantles us from the church. It dismantles us from the ultimate word of God, the Bible. Um, now, before we get into, um, after we've talked about a basic survey, what I want to do is give a word from our sponsors. So I'll be right back after this ad from our sponsors. Well, I want a whole season without any sponsors, but I'm going to keep this spot open for Chips Ahoy to jump in. All right. Season two, expect Chips Ahoy. Let's get back into the episode. Welcome back. Can't wait to get a chocolate chip cookie after this. Um, another thing that I want to give some credit to, because I, I've used a few popular level books um, to, to prep for this 
uh, talk on deconstruction, uh, but I have uh, in my doctoral thesis, um, as well as my 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 uh, my milestone, sorry, my capstone for uh, for my um, sorry, my brain's been everywhere the past few days uh, for my bachelor's degree and some um, and some papers that I wrote for my master's. Uh, I um, I've mentioned this topic several times. Um, so faith deconstruction is not something that is new to me, but I did use some resources to, to, to prepare for, um, for this, uh, for these episodes. Uh, one is from Dr. Sean McDowell from Biola University and Dr. John Marriott, uh, from Biola. Uh, they just wrote a book, um, called, uh, oh no, I gotta pull it out. (laughs) Um, set adrift, deconstruction, deconstructing what you believe without sinking your faith. Very good for somebody who's considering deconstruction, the person who's in the process. Um, another work that I uh, used to research uh, is from a brand new book called The Deconstruction of Christianity by Tim Barnett and Elisa Childers. Uh, very big internet followings uh, from an apologetic perspective. Elisa, uh, Elisa um, is actually a former deconstructionist, uh, and she and she saw uh, the big flaws of the movement. So he, she, excuse me, she um, kind of backslid from backsliding. So a really knowledgeable uh, source on this issue. Um, and Elisa and Tim Barnett have massive YouTube followings. Uh, if you're familiar of with uh, Mr. B or Red Pen Logic, that's Tim Barnett. Um, and the last that I would uh, mentioned is Dr. Eric Mason uh, for his book, uh, Urban Apologetics, uh, Cults and Cultural Ideologies. He has a chapter on uh, deconstruction, which is what I would call, and he would call, a cultural ideology rather than a cult. Um, so those are my sources for most of this material. And I may quote uh, some other academic sources uh, as I remember them from my thesis. Uh, so that's kind of where we're coming from. And they have different opinions on on even calling it uh, deconstruction for everybody, even for people who stay in the faith. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. <clears throat> so the, I just finished talking to you about the definition of re, of deconstruction. Um, next, I want to talk about like the definition of an ex-evangelical. It's a former evangelical who left for uh, due to life experience. Um, kind of made them rethink some core tenets of evangelicalism. Um, and I'll tell you um, also who has been considered an ex-evangelical, um, all of which have not just deconstructed their faith, but uh, unfortunately, they have all uh, demolished their faith. Um, now, and, and a lot of this is, like most of our cultural values, stem from celebrities. Um, so what were some popular celebrities who have deconstructed? Um, I'll be happy to tell you. I'm glad you asked. Mass eg- exodus from celebrities, um, from, from the source, which would be a celebrity. Uh, if you've ever heard of Rhett and Link, uh, they were missionaries in the 90s into the early 2000s, they started a channel called Rhett and Link. Um, and then furthermore, Good Mythical Morning. They, um, about two years ago, Rhett, uh, Rhett 
um, he posted uh, posted a, uh, an episode called uh, Rhett's uh, Deconstruction Journey, uh, making it obvious and plain that he has left the faith, and he's calling himself a, a hopeful agnostic at this point. And it all stemmed from one of the four reasons why people leave evangelicalism. Uh, namely, he questioned the authority of the Bible because he said there are just so many contradictions. Um, once you think that the Bible has contradictions, it cannot be um, infallible. Um, therefore, it, could, it cannot be inspired by God if there is real contradictions in Scripture. Not seeming uh, contradictions, but real live contradictions. But usually, um, a, these, these types of contradictions, which I guarantee you, um, he probably can't list them off. Um, usually when somebody says, what are the contradictions? They, they, they didn't actually go into the study from both sides. Um, usually I can't say that about Rhett completely. Um, but it, it, his argument sounds a lot like the ones who came before him. Um, Link, the co-host, said, why would I worry about following Christianity if it's not even true? That's a big assumption that it, it holds no truth to it. Um, you know, and I'd have a question like, well, is the grave empty? Because um, if, it, if it is, then it, it, the rest kind of stems from that. Uh, but I don't know if that's where he originated. If Jesus is in the ground, that's the only way that our faith should most be pitied of all is uh as Paul, the apostle, says in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, uh, the Gungors, if you are familiar with the, um, with the worship group, husband and wife, the Gungors, um, they have openly left the faith. Um, and he's got a massive following, the husband does. Uh, I think it's Michael Gungor. Um, he has a massive internet following, and he is very evangelical about ex-evangelizing. Um, and he's very... In, 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 there's been some people responding to him, um, which means that the liturgist's uh, Gungor's counterpart um, also uh, has deconstructed and left the faith. Notice that everybody I've talked about, these are not people who are considering themselves Christians anymore. These are people who have left the faith and want others to leave it too. Um, the guy who, I can't remember his name, but the gentleman who... Um, who like kickstarted purity culture in the nineties, like where you get a, um, you get a, like a promise ring from your dad, um, anything like that. Who, people who vow not to have sex until they're married. Um, it, that's like the, uh, Oh man, what's the name of that? Uh, anti, not the anti, uh, smoking, doing any type of, of drugs that the dare program purity culture has the, um, like, around the same uh, success rate as the dare, which was a massive failure. Uh, the more you make something into the, the fruit, the evil fruit, um, the more likely that somebody will partake in the forbidden fruit. Um, somebody else who was um, the newsboys guy, not, uh, not the, um, gosh, not the... Man, my brain is just, I'm throwing for a loop today, guys. I apologize for this. Um, but the guy was part of DC Talk. He's not a God's Net Dead guy, and it's not uh, Toby Mac, but the other one. Um, 
And, uh, and so he went back, he said, I've deconstructed on an Instagram post and, uh, basically I've never felt better. Um, I, he said, I'm truly happy. I'm truly happy. And, uh, and so that's another one, uh, that I just got to think, Ugh, is my happiness the, the highest good? I, I don't think so. Um, now a couple people from like my, my musical background of like Christian, uh, heavy music, Christian heavy metal metalcore and the various subgenres. Um, uh, Under Oath, if you've ever heard of them, uh, they, each crew member has deconstructed their faith to the point of, um, of leaving the faith as well. Um, several of these people, um, are from like a divorce. Uh, I know that, uh, the guy from DC talk was because he, of a divorce that he had, um, the Devil Wears Prada is another one who, who used to be a Christian group, and everybody uh, has deconstructed from that. Uh, one of the biggest answers that they had uh, was um, the lead singer, Mike Heronica, saying, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in hell. So you, you denied the, um, the reality of hell because of how many people you met. Another artist is called Gideon. Um, and they cuss in their songs now. All of them say that they've uh, deconverted. Um, and so, um, we have all of these examples. The, uh, a former, uh, music minister from Hillsong Worship, uh, has deconstructed, I believe it was from a divorce as well. Uh, Aaron Gillespie, the drummer of Under Oath slash singer, uh, you know, he, uh, he detached himself because of his divorce. Um, Spencer Chamberlain, the, the lead vocalist of Under Oath, left because, the band members kicked him out because, um, because uh, he, uh, Chamberlain, was at one point uh, addicted to cocaine and the band members kicked him out when most of the other ones were Christians. The bassist was never a Christian, but he had a Christian mask on. Like he, he would be afraid that he'd be kicked out of the band if they were not, um, if they were not you know, they're not Christians. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, the, the bassist left because he was a closet atheist the whole time. He was afraid that the, 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 like the record label would drop him. Um, most contemporary music leaders from the nineties, uh, have also deconverted. Um, and, and it's because it was the, the sleazy type of business practices, uh, that they saw. And they just said that this culture is, is completely corrupt. Um, and so all of this is crop propagated by a naked pastor who actually wants to bring people, admittedly, uh, to de deconversion, not just deconstruction. Um, now, let me ask, uh, you know, my imaginary audience right now, <clears throat> who helped create this movement? Um, well, something that a lot of people are already thinking about, but he kind of put a word to leaving the evangelical church. Um, and this guy's name on, on line is Naked Pastor, uh, who ultimately wants people to de, not just deconstruct, but deconvert people from their faith. Um, now, what's so bad about being an evangelical? We know what an ex-evangelical is. Now let's talk about what evangelical actually means so that we know uh, what branch of Christianity we're talking about. And I would argue that being an evangelical is being uh, 
orthodox and historical. I, when I say that, I'm not talking about the de- denomination or the branch of Christianity that is like Eastern Orthodox or Russian Orthodox or Greek, uh, Greek Orthodox. Um, I mean Orthodox in the ultimate sense that this is the right way to practice our faith. These are the core tenets of what it means to be evangelical. It went from being evangelical to evangelicalism. But let me read. Here are the four basic responsibilities of, an, of evangelicalism. Um, it, is to, um, it is to have a personal, number one, it is important to have a personal relationship with Christ through conversion. Personal conversion is a must for uh, the evangelical church. Um, it's not because I'm born into it. It's not because I was baptized when I was an infant. It's not even because I was born into a Christian family. It has to be from personal conversion with the power of the Holy Spirit that drew us to him. Think of Paul, the apostle. Um, he goes from being a Pharisee named Saul to becoming somebody widely known as Paul, uh, known throughout the, the, the rest of the world. Um, he just uses his Greek name. Uh, so no one, and I'm reading this from Set Adrift by Sean McDowell. Um, no one is a Christian just because they go to church or were born into a Christian family. Salvation depends on an intentional act of repentance in placing one's faith in Jesus Christ. Um, second part is the authority of Scripture. That the Bible functions as not only a supreme authority for belief and practice, but also an uh, object of affection. Bible study and memorization of Scripture are highly valued as a means of spiritual growth. In other words, uh, I submit to the Bible. The Bible was written by the apostles of the early church or somebody directly under them who received firsthand the teaching of the apostles. Um, and because they, uh, the twelve were uh, chosen to lead the church, um, and, and they are inspired by the Holy Spirit in a, in a special way, meaning... Um, plenary uh, plenary uh, inspiration, which means they heard what God said verbally and then wrote down faithfully what he said. Uh, because if we can't trust the scriptures, then we cannot call, call ourselves Christians. Um, now, number three, the person and work of Jesus. While Jesus' life and teachings are revered and imitated, Christ's cross... And the work he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection occupy a central and lofty place in evangelical worship. If I'm not consistently keeping my eyes on Jesus, I will not be able to imitate him. And there's no way I know what um, what to practice and how to believe other than going through something like the Romans road, right? Sin separates us from God. The, the cross unites us to God. Uh, because the death of Jesus, I will rise from the grave uh, to, to, um, to be raised with Christ like he literally resurrected. Then he was ascended into heaven and intercedes and prays over us um, constantly. Um, and so these are some things. And, and then we're sealed with the Holy Spirit the moment we convert, when we repent. And so we, are live, in, we live empowered by the Spirit to have the Spirit's power to convert others and uh, that's a seal for our salvation. That's God's promise that we will not go to hell when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead. Um, so, and lastly, activism. So, convert personal conversion, the authority of Scripture, the person and work of Christ, and then 
Activism. So, motivated by the love of Christ, evangelicals stress the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus with their uh, and loving their neighbors. Uh, the result has been preaching the gospel for, to the furthest reaches of the world and doing good in the name of Christ. Um, so, progressives would um, would say yes to um, to this place. Uh, to they would say yes, we should go and love others, but primarily others, not to glorify God, but to do good, because Jesus, according to them, would be an activist, uh, fighting for the oppressed. But none of that is good enough if Jesus is not the center, because temporary activism is not worried about the eternal cause. I want to make political change rather than eternal change. Um, that's that's basically what a progressive view um, of, of, um, activism would look like. Okay. Last thing I want to say today, because this first episode is how ex-evangelical, uh, opens up into our current context. Next episode is going to be like a, a historical overview of how becoming an ex-evangelical and deconversion truly, uh, truly worked, um, about, about past like the 18 to 1700s. Um, Okay, so the the deconstructionist or the ex-evangelicals, four main issues, and this is also coming from a Sean McDowell uh, episode uh, on his YouTube channel. Um, he actually dialogued with a progressive pastor. Uh, so this guy was a, was a pastor of a progressive church. Um, and, and these were his answers. What are your top reasons to, uh, to deconvert? Um, where does that come from? Uh, so these are their four main issues, and they all stem from experience rather than scripture. So remember, the authority of the Bible is something that is in question, or at least a certain type of reading of the Bible is in question. Um, so here are their main issues. He said these are the four things that uh, um, that move us from evangelical to progressive or evangelical. Here are their issues: the validity of the Bible. Right. Another thing, right, that goes straight into um, if the Bible cannot be, um, you know, it, because of contradictions, whatever, uh, the Bible cannot be trusted in themselves or, or specifically that interpretation of the Bible that makes itself uh, more about your interpretation of Scripture rather than any objective truth. Because there, for, for them, there is no objective truth. You, the closest you can get is an interpretation of the truth that you prefer. So the validity of the Bible is one. So the Bible is not an authority to the uh, progressive Christian, uh, at least not what we mean when we say authority. Um, number two, uh, their opinion on critical race theory, which means like CRT, critical race theory, typically means that, um, that you do deconstruct in a way how you read scripture. Uh, the thought is we've read the Bible through a white lens, um, and we want to recontextualize uh, everything in our lives based off of what is uh, more objective through a multiplicity of sources, minority views, and majority views. Um, and so that's what critical race theory is in a nutshell. They're trying to decolonialize and recontextualize the original meaning of the text. Now, I think, um, I think like the idea of critical race theory has been uh, somewhat helpful 
uh, to open up kind of a plethora of, of, of ways that Christians have interpreted the Bible and, um, and kind of contextualize. I think a positive part of CRT is that it can recontextualize Right, uh, recontextualize scripture, uh, not just through a white only or westernized view, uh, because that's been the primary um, lens in which we viewed the Bible. Um, and then the last thing, uh, or another one, is uh, the view of women in ministry, uh, believing that Christianity has been male dominated for a long time, that women cannot be uh, ordained into ministry because of a Timothy passage. Um, you know, in, in a traditional Western reading of eldership uh, and priesthood. Um, but may this not be so, that was not the majority view or slightly majority view uh, in early Westernized Christianity. Um, and so, and then the last one is LGBTQIA. I'm stuttering, guys. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I, I just got a little bit of a, a brain stutter right now. Um, but LGBTQIA plus issues, um, you know, through, uh, you know, the issues of gender, um, through the talk about how sex and gender are two opposite things. Gender, you can express uh, whatever uh, biological sex that you want or what you feel like you best identify as, um, you know, uh, you know, historical Christians have also been very cruel to this community. Um, and so I believe that that's a valid reason why you start on the, the wagon ride on deconstruction. Now, this pastor also said that not everything that he mentioned is in order of a primary issue. Now, Sean McDowell says, Dr. McDowell says, um, well, in evangelical, um, there, there are a multiplicity of ways to view the Bible, which is not heresy. Um, so I don't think that, that validity is necessarily the issue. Um, and so, um, you know, multiple historical Orthodox Christians can have varying views of Scripture, um, but it's always an authority, a primary authority in their lives. Um, another one is, uh, you know, you can have multiple views of critical race theory from this is a modern uh, topic that we are inserting into the text. But on the other side, this could be, this isn't a modern ideal, even though we put a name to it, we have, you know, kind of always sought you know, if you're thinking about slavery issues, if you're thinking about minority issues, these have been questions that everybody has talked about. The main, I'd say, heresy um, of the of CRT uh, is one: if it gets you out of the faith, or two, if it um, if you end up on the the view that slavery is real and there are multiple levels of human. Um, you know, I'd say that both of those spectrum ends of the spectrum are it should be condemned. Um, and many evangelicals, you know, uh, tend to agree that racism is wrong. <laughs> like, that isn't, this is not a new view. Paul was doing his best to abolish slavery from, uh, like, Philemon. Uh, you know, that's a major anti-slavery portion of Scripture. Um, you know, women in ministry. An evangelical can land that women can minister, uh, not only from a teaching perspective, but from a... a uh, a clerical position. A woman can be ordained into ministry. And that's not a heresy. It may be shocking for Western evangelical Christians, but if you think about um, 
Purpose Driven Life guy, uh, Rick Warren, he left the uh, the Southern Baptist uh, Commission um, because of where they landed with women in ministry. And this guy's a conservative Christian, but all he did was leave the convention. He's still going strong with his church. Um, so uh, what's his name? Uh, Dr. McDowell um, says that the one thing that conservative Christians and liberal Christians or evangelicals and non-evangelicals, the one that they would ish, take most issue with um, is the LGBTQ, that it's holy, that it's sacred, that God established this, God approved of this. Uh, that's the one thing that would truly separate everybody. Um, and whenever he brought that to the other, the, the liberal pastor's position, he said, yeah, I guess that is, I guess that would be the only thing. It, the one way it separates us from the rest is the affirmation of LGBTQ communities um, expression of sexuality because he concedes about the other points. Um, but he said kind of the last nail in the coffin for him was how the church treats this community. Everything else can kind of be reconciled. So it's based off of experience, the experience of, of the LGBTQ communities. Um, and so the, the end result is I, I can't do this. This can't be orthodox because their experience was an exposition on cruelty toward this community. So just because some, some churches, or in this case, many churches have treated this the wrong way, the belief that it is against God's final authoritative word is, is not the issue. It is through my experience, I take this authority over scripture's authority, uh, not even debatable. Um, even though people, some arguments come back up, but this is not a debatable issue. The church can get things wrong, but the Bible does not. God's word does not. Um, so overall, uh, that is kind of how we got uh, to this point in the Western church. Um, internet culture is another one that, that minority views, um, you know, uh, heterodox views, uh, views that go against God's word. That's what I'm saying when I mean minority views. I mean... Uh, views that do not have as many uh, agreeers uh, than the majority historic Christian view, uh, not a financial or racial standpoint. Um, so the last thing that I'll say, um, man, it, it take experience and, and diverse stories lead you away from the, the safety of scripture, the safety of, of staying anchored to your faith um, and this usually happens when you start to grow up and say, I don't have to have my family's faith. I need to figure out who I am. So we're going to talk about historical influences to the faith next time. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. And don't fall into the trap of deconstruction. We're going to break things down a lot more next week. God bless you. Hey friends, that has been the Divine Comedy Cafe. This was part one of our four-part finale. And, uh, and I, I honestly just want to say, uh, stick around for the next three parts because this is, this is very important. Um, these are very important because you're going to be bombarded by these positions. So I hope your coffee is finished. You're ready to get back to what you were doing previously. And I pray that this episode has blessed you in some way. There are no thoughts that are original. So we're going to talk about next week uh, how historical this position goes. So I love you guys. Can't wait to see you next time. Stay caffeinated and stay blessed.